This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. All right. You guys doing good this morning? Good, good. Do me a favor real quick. Look at the person next to you. Come on. Pick somebody. If you're single, this is your moment. Look at them deep. If you're not single, you better look at the right person. Look at them deep in their eyes. Come on, look at them now. Look at them deep into their eyes. Try to figure out what color they are. Say, I am better looking than you. And some of y'all are going to be riding home by yourself. Some of you are going to need to call Uber. I don't even know if they Uber here. Um, Uber is an app. Look it up later. And I did it one time, got some guy who couldn't speak English, and I was getting lost. It was amazing. Anyway, hey, just honored to be here with you guys. How many of you love your pastors? Come on, can we just honor them this morning? Give them a hand. Pastor Kevin and Amanda, we had dinner last night, had a blast at the treehouse. I've never eaten dinner in a treehouse before. It was amazing. A lot of fun. And uh, we love you guys. We love Vortex. I love the stories of the lives that have been changed over the last almost four years. Absolutely amazing what God is doing. This is the first service, and it's packed, and it's great. And uh, we've still got a great time ahead of us for the rest of the year. I believe God's going to do some amazing, amazing things. I brought my wife with me today. married almost 14 years. And uh, it's been a lot of training for me. And uh, I still always get the last word. Yes, ma'am. And uh, it's going good. Haley, would you stand up real quick? This is my beautiful bride right here. She needs all the prayers she can get having to deal with me. We have two kids. Uh, Maggie, she's 12 years old. And Hutch, he is 11. Here's a picture of them. Can we throw that up there? We have, we live a, we have a fun life. Maggie, my wife's holding Maggie, and Hutch and I are jumping on the trampoline. Nobody broke a leg or an arm in that picture, in the making of that picture. Um, it's just an honor to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I was actually born in Westmoreland, Pennsylvania, and uh, I was adopted. I'm one of nine children. Uh, now, I, we all had different daddies. My biological mother to this day is a crackhead prostitute. My biological father is serving 35 to life for murder in state penitentiary in California. And so um, if you don't amen my sermon, I come from good genes. I will cut you, okay? I'm, on a serious note, on a serious note, uh, God has just done a miraculous work in my life before I could ever even do anything for him. You see, when I was 13 months old, my biological mother drove me down to Folk, Arkansas, population 809. Come on, God can do something in a small population. In October of 1983, uh, a, a husband and wife from Shreveport, Louisiana, drove up there and picked me up. My diaper had reached its fullest capacity. My stomach was so large from malnutrition, now it's from overnutrition, but it was amazing how they, they took me in, and the truth is, my mother and father that raised me, that adopted me, they, they faced some obstacles through adoption, and it just didn't work for them to adopt the children that they wanted to adopt. 
Matter of fact, my mother decided to give up on it, and she said, I'm not going to adopt anymore. She was an emotional basket case because time and time again, mothers who had made decisions to give their children up for adoption changed their mind at the last minute. And there was a little bitty boy in Folk, Arkansas, and they found out about me, drove up, picked me up, and uh, took me home with them. For four years, they battled with the state uh, because my biological mother didn't sign the papers and around Christmas time decided she wanted me back. Um, and so that wasn't very nice, right? And so for four years they battled, and I remember as a young kid, I don't remember everything that happened, but I remember standing outside of the courtroom, and my dad said, you're going to be asked one question. And I remember him kind of looking at me. This is my dad that raised me. I'll say biological father, and then I'll say father, because y'all get it. The people who raised me are my mom and dad, okay? So I remember my daddy looked at me and he said, hey, buddy. You know, they were like so nice leading up to that. You want ice cream? <laughs> you know, and like just, what? you want a four-wheeler? Yeah, we'll get you a four You want a gun? I know you're four years old. We'll get you a gun. I'm just kidding. And so he said, looked at me and said, the judge is going to ask you one question. Who do you want to live with? Point at me, <laughs> you know, and I, I aced it, guys. Them, and it worked out great. And God has just blessed me with such amazing, amazing parents. But that's the reason why I like the scripture in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven so much. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and. A future. You see, God has a plan for you and I, and it's so important for us to understand that plan and to not quit on the plan that God has. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for the time of worship that we've had. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you for your word. And I just pray, God, that you would, you would use this time to inspire us and challenge us to fulfill the call that you have on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last weekend, my kids both did a triathlon, and they actually trained with me. I did one a few weeks ago, and then they did one, and uh, I, we signed them up on Thursday night for the thing on Saturday and just <laughs> said, by the way, you're doing a triathlon. It was only a 100-yard swim and a four-mile bike ride and a one-mile run. I mean, come on, we could all do that in our sleep, right? And so, just kidding. The struggle is real, right? And so, they're doing this, this race, and, and, and I watched my daughter, and um, she, she finished the swim, and she's an amazing swimmer, and then she goes into the bike ride, does the four miles. She's doing great, and she goes back into the transition, takes her helmet off, and she gets ready to run, and this is the moment where she struggles. She does not like to run unless it's, you know, unless it's to something very important like chocolate, okay? And so she's, she's not wanting to do this, and, and she rounds the corner, and I realize that she's struggling, I realized it's not going so good for her. And I understand that it's hard once you've been biking for a while to all of a sudden make your legs do a totally different motion and run. So I sprinted across the yard and ran to a place that I knew I would see her. And I got close and when she was coming by, I said, baby, don't stop now. You know, because she was kind of doing one of those, like, I think I want to run. No, I'm actually walking. No, I'm going to run. You know, she's doing that moment. I said, don't stop now. Keep going. Now, I probably didn't look so life-giving. I was trying to encourage her. She's like, stop yelling at me. <laughs> you know how that moment when you cry. And I was like, you got it. Come on. Don't stop now. Keep going. And what I believe 
is that as I love my daughter so much that I would encourage her, how much more does our Father in heaven love us that I believe he would stand up off his throne this morning and look at us as Vortex Church and say, don't stop now in the race that I have called you as a church to do and individually what he's called you to do. Don't stop now. Keep going. And I believe that this morning we're going to be encouraged to continue to run the race that God has called us to. First Peter says this, each, that's individual, okay? Each of you should use whatever, they're all different, whatever gifts, they're all different. Everybody plays a different role that you have received to do what? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I believe with all of my heart that God's given each and every one of us unique talents and and gifts and abilities to be able to make a difference. We all make up the body of Christ. Now, you might be in here this morning, you might say, I don't really know what my spiritual gift is. I don't really know what I was created to do. I'm so glad that you're curious about that. Starting point starts next Sunday evening, okay? And this is an opportunity for you to get to know the vision of the house. It's an opportunity through this class for you to have the opportunity to learn your spiritual gifts and find out why you were created, what makes you tick, and it helps you to know your personality, okay? Some of you want to be up front. Some of you don't want to be seen. Some of you Do you want to be a greeter? Some of you, we don't necessarily want you greeting because you never smile. We want you in the set-up takedown crew, right? Because we don't want to put you at the front door. Welcome, right? But everybody's got a place and an opportunity to serve. Did you know that 87% of all Christians don't know their spiritual gift? Now, 99.9% of all statistics are untrue, but just go with me for a minute. 87%. Did you know that if 87% of your body didn't work, you'd be an invalid? That's why the local churches, Haley and I travel the country and look at different churches. Overall, the local church is, 80, is an invalid. It's become one big mouth shouting to the community what they should and shouldn't do instead of being the hands and feet of Jesus, making something happen for people, serving and loving people to the place where they can understand that they really do and can have a good, good father. So I encourage you, if you don't know your spiritual gifts, you have got to get at starting point next Sunday. Now, let me also just dig one step further in this. There's three questions you can answer to help you to kind of kind of figure out what God would, has created you to do. Number one is, um, what am I good at? So if you were to answer that question, that this isn't in your notes, this is just, this is for free. What, what am I, what am I good at? Right, so you can answer that. Then the next question you could ask yourself is, what makes me feel appreciated? What, what just brings satisfaction to my life? And you answer that question. And the third question is, is, does this make people's lives better? Now, at the intersection of those three questions, the answers, you can find uh, several ideas of what God would love for you to do because it's who he created you to be. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? How many of you love getting the prize? I hate this whole participation trophy. Oh, my kid participate. Let me tell you something. If my kid didn't win, don't give him a trophy. You know what I'm saying? I will break that thing. It's plastic anyway. You know what I mean? But, like, you go, you watch the Olympics. Anybody been watching the Olympics? I've been waiting for the curling part, and then I realize it's not winter. But anyway, it's okay because, you know, that little part where they have the, okay, anyway, I think I could do Olympics. I'd be excited. They have a BB gun shooting competition. That's absolutely amazing. Badminton. Anybody ever played badminton in the backyard? Y'all want to put together a team in four? years, Tokyo, here we come, Vortex, badminton, right? I love it. 
in a race all runners run. I, I love watching them run. And the Bible says run in such a way to get the prize. Run. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's, let's make sure that we're going after the target and the goal for which God desires for us. I want to give you three practical things this morning so that you can run this race. Write this down in your notes. Number one, avoid comparison. Man, this is tough. Avoid comparison. Proverbs says, don't turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. Another version says, don't get distracted. It's so easy to look at what everybody else has, doesn't it? What kind of car is he driving? Oh, yeah, he's in debt. I know. Man, look at their new house. Whoa, white picket fence. I wish my kids would act like that. Y'all ever been to a restaurant and you're like, and then some of you that don't have kids, you're like, oh, my kids will never. You better not say that. Yeah, they said that. It ain't working, right? Man, one day my husband's going to act like, my husband's going to, you begin to compare, why doesn't my husband do that? And what happens is we compare our behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reel. And we're like, wow, look at how amazing they are. And we're comparing to what we do behind closed doors to what they're doing out in front of everybody. And I just don't think we get anywhere in life when we compare. But we have to focus on the race that God has marked out for us. Matter of fact, there was this cool picture of Michael Phelps in the Olympics. Check this out. This guy is looking at Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is looking at the finish line, and this guy is looking at Michael. He's comparing himself to Michael Phelps, saying, how can I get close to him? And, and there was this little hashtag, if you will, this little slogan. It says, winners focus on winning, losers focus on the winners. I want to encourage you to focus on what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be, rather than focusing on everybody else. The Bible says that in Galatians that each one should, should test their own actions. Isn't it fun when we test other people's actions? It's easier, isn't it? But when we test our own, then we can take pride in, in ourselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. What I find to be true is many times we end up carrying the loads that we were never intended to carry and neglecting the very things God asked us to do. It's important, and David struggled with this. It, the, the Bible talks about David and Goliath in, in 1 Samuel 17. I encourage you to read the story. It's a lot of fun. And David ends up talking Saul into letting him go fight the giant. And Saul was concerned about David, and as a good leader would be at that moment. And so Saul began to put all of his stuff on David. There's a list that Saul dressed David in his own tunic and put, put his coat of armor and his bronze helmet, put, strapped his sword to the side, and the Bible says that David tried to walk. Can you imagine that moment? The best picture I can give you is, is when your, your, your child at maybe the age of two or three got in your shoes and tried to walk. And could you have imagined how David felt just trying to, to, to walk and navigate his way in somebody else's armor. And at some point, David realized, this isn't working for me. So the Bible says that he took it off. And David grabbed his staff in his hand, the very thing he used to protect the sheep on the backside of the de desert. He chose the stones out of the stream. He grabbed his shepherd's bag, that a.k.a. the first fanny pack. He took his sling. And the Bible says he approached Goliath. The difference in trying to walk 
in somebody else's stuff. Trying to be like somebody else versus confidently approaching that which God has called you to do. And the truth is, is that David took care of the lion and the bear, but that was just to protect the sheep. But then he conquered the giant, which was to protect the nation. And I believe that if we're going to do what God has called us to do, we can't compare and try to put on somebody else's stuff and be like somebody else. But we've got to be who God has called us to be. Can I say, can I get a good uh uh-huh? Number two, write this down. Celebrate others' success. This is the hardest thing in the world to do is to celebrate everybody else's success. You know, and sometimes we do it outwardly. Oh, that's great. You know, and inwardly we're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, they they did not. They lie. You know? And and, and some of the ways we can celebrate success these days are through social media. Did you know that you could just like somebody's post and that's celebrating them, like high-five them? And I know sometimes this is difficult because when you read it inside, you're like, oh, that's so great, I should like it, but I'm jealous. I might act like I didn't even see that. No, but let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate each other. When we see each other in the grocery store and you, you see, and all the more the people you don't like, find ways to celebrate. Make up something. You know what I mean? And just celebrate them. And don't try to one-up people. You ever been around somebody and you're like, my daughter, she made the A, B, honor roll. Let's great. My kid made straight A's. You're like, jerk. Just wanting up everybody. Or, or, or backdoor brag. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man, you got to do that? What? I've done that five times. That's great. Yeah. You ought to go visit that place while you're there at the slopes. You know, and you're like, man, just, just celebrate others because we is better than me. Matter of fact, the Bible says in, in Thessalonians to, to encourage one another and build each other up goes on in Hebrews to say, let us consider, let's figure out a way. Consider, think through the ways that we can celebrate. Or, or it says it like this, that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Celebrating other people. And it just makes yourself feel so good when you're not thinking about yourself, but you're thinking about others. And number three, write this down, is to keep your eyes on the prize. The prize isn't the next promotion, the bigger paycheck, the nicer house, the faster car. I really don't think that's the goal, even though those things are nice to have, and we should. But at the same time, the prize is Jesus. And the Bible says in Hebrews, Therefore, since we are surrounded around such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us as individuals, your individual race. And it goes on to say, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Stop comparing what you have to others. Begin to celebrate what others have and not focusing on that, but keeping our eyes on on Jesus. Today wraps up the Olympics and they always do the marathon to finish it. And about seven or eight years ago, I ran a marathon. It was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I, I've crossed the finish line and threw my running shoes away. Okay, 26.2 miles was never intended to be ran. It was intended to be driven. Okay, I, I just no. 
I'll never do it again. Okay, anyway, sorry, just had to get that off my chest. I feel better. Thank you. And so these guys are going to run in the Olympics, and they're going to do it in record time. It was amazing. Back in 1968, the Olympics were held in Mexico City. And there was a guy there named John Stephen Akwari. And, and he was one of the 75 competitors. Now, only 57 finished the race that day. And less than halfway through this marathon, a couple of guys ran into each other, and John crashed. He fell to the ground, messed up his arm really bad, skin up his, his legs really bad, bleeding everywhere, and he actually dislocated his kneecap. Somebody say, ouch. That's a bad moment when you have to run the rest of a marathon. The medical staff actually came up to him and said, you don't need to finish this race. You've got to stop. This is not, not going to be good. You're, you're, and he's limping, and he's struggling. And, and so everybody begins to pass him. And of the 57 that, that finished, he actually finished last. He was an hour behind the last person that finished in front of him. So the Colosseum is beginning to thin out, and he runs into it. And they're celebrating the first, second, and third place winners. And the truth is, we don't even know the names of the people that won. I'm sure Wikipedia does because it knows everything. But we don't even know the names of those people. And as he began to run in and head toward the finish line, the crowd that was there began to cheer. And the people that were running the media all of a sudden pointed their direction or attention to John, realizing that they still have another runner. And so as people began to cheer, John limped his way to the finish line and crossed it. Everybody was celebrating him, but at the very end, one individual asked him in an interview, why didn't you listen to the trainers? Why didn't you stop? You could have hurt yourself even more. And his answer was very simple. My country did not send me 10,000 miles to start the race but to finish. And what I believe with all of my heart is that God did not send His Son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross for our sins just for us to have a good start, but for us to have a good finish. Maybe there's some of you in this room this morning and you need to hear the words, don't stop now. Maybe you've been comparing your marriage to other people's marriages and, and you're thinking about ending your marriage because it's not what you thought it would be. I want to encourage you, don't stop now. Maybe there's some of you in here that you've been trying your best to live for Jesus and it hasn't been going the way that you really thought that it would go. You can't feel God the way somebody else feels God. I mean, they wake up in the morning and the birds sing the right way, and, but, but your birds at your house poop on your windshield, you know, and, and it just doesn't work right. And you, you feel like everybody's walking around blessed but you, wondering if God really cares about you as much as you think He cares about other people. And you want to stop. And I want to tell you this morning to keep going. Maybe you're in here this morning and, and you've been serving in different areas. And you've been trying to figure out the best way to make the biggest difference with your life. But it, it, it's, not, it's not fun anymore. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep pressing on and keep going. You know, the only thing that grows overnight is a weed. But if you want something that can produce fruit, you're going to have to give it time and keep going. Because here's the thing about my daughter. is Even though she's not exactly the best athlete that was running that race that day, she finished third place in her age group. 
and she finished strong, and we went and got chocolate ice cream at the end, okay? And she, she ran her race, and she did her best. And what I want to encourage you to do this morning as a church is to not give up on the vision that you had almost four years ago when the first Sunday happened and lives were changed. But it's to keep going and thinking about the people in our neighborhood that we've been inviting to show up. Because I believe that if they'll show up, God will show out and their lives will be changed forever. Maybe you've been worried about your kids and wanting them to give their hearts to Jesus. Making decisions that you made when you were a kid thinking, oh Lord, and I had kids and they're acting like me. And that's not good. To keep believing for them. That they would have an experience with God. Their life would forever be changed. Matter of fact, maybe you're here this morning and you were thinking about stopping life altogether. And maybe you walked in this door and you said, God, I'm going to give you one more shot. I'm going to go to this church that's meeting in a movie theater. Just to, Maybe you were invited and you just showed up and today's your first time. You've been thinking about giving up. I want to encourage you by saying you're in the right place this morning. Because Jesus didn't give up on you. And he loves you. Matter of fact, can we have this moment? Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads this morning? If you're in here this morning and you would say, I, that's me. I, I'm, I'm just almost to the point where I'm ready to give up on life. Matter of fact, I just know that I'm, I'm at the end of anything and everything I could do myself, and I need help. I need Jesus to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior, to take all my mess-ups and my mistakes and forgive me of them and give me a brand new start. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so that I could see? Um, Thank you, thank you. The very back, the front, thank you. Who else? Just, I'm ready to have a fresh start. Today's my day. Thank you. Today is my day. Anyone else? Thank you. I tell you what, let's do this as a family with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. I'm just going to say a prayer. I just want you to repeat it. But I'd love for everybody to say it with those that raised their hand. Four or five that just said, I want today to be my day. And that's so exciting. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Give me a brand new start. I want to live for you. So help me. Starting today, I give you my best. In Jesus' name. And for those of you in here this morning, that that this morning, as I've been talking about not comparing, and as I've been talking about running your race, being comfortable in who you are, not giving up, you've been in here and you, you, you came in discouraged and you need prayer. You want some encouragement. I want to pray for you that you can continue to run the race that God's called you to and to keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus. If you're here and you've been tired, you've been worn out, and you just need a little bit of encouragement this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to be able to pray for you this morning. Come on, you're worn out. You're tired. You can't, you can't have one more bad break. You, you just need something to go your way. And today that's about to happen. Anybody else? Lord Jesus, thank you for those that raised their hands this morning. They just need a little bit of encouragement to not 
focus on other people, but to focus on the prize, which is you. To not compare themselves to other people, but to celebrate other people. And to understand that, God, you are in heaven celebrating us every single day. Thank you, God, for those that are running the race very hard, that have been running the race for years. Thank you for Vortex Church that has been running the race for this community. I just pray strength and encouragement and favor because, God, I believe that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give a hand for those who said that prayer this morning to give their heart to Jesus? Absolutely amazing. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.